Conventional wisdom long held that after a few months of recovery, stroke survivors never get any better. But recently we have learned that the brain continues to change throughout life, and that stroke survivors may be able to improve even years later. You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Joel Stein, Associate Professor in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, Harvard Medical School, and the Chief Medical Officer at the Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome, Dr. Stein. Thank you. Dr. Stein, today we are discussing stroke recovery, where we are now and where we will be in 10 years. Perhaps we might start by defining what a stroke is. Stroke is damage to the brain, generally caused by either blockage of a blood vessel with ischemia and an infarct in that area, or hemorrhage within the brain, bleeding that causes pressure on an area of the brain and tissue damage in that fashion. What do we do immediately after someone has a stroke? In the very acute phase, of course, you know, thrombolysis is an important treatment for ischemic stroke, and that's still the, the only really approved and well-demonstrated treatment for acute stroke. There is interesting work ongoing, which I'm not my primary area of expertise, but looking at treatment of hemorrhage in the acute phase as well. I think in the, in the rehabilitation phase, there are opportunities to enhance recovery as well, and that's been the focus of a lot of recent research. Well, when we talk about rehabilitation, when does rehabilitation start? Well, rehabilitation to some extent begins in the acute care hospital in terms of identifying someone's rehabilitation needs, taking a look at their swallowing to make sure that they're not at risk for aspiration and that sort of thing, uh, looking at positioning of their arms and legs. And, and then over a course of several days to a week, hopefully moving them into a more rehab-oriented environment where the focus is really on retraining individuals to get back to their prior level of independence and restore their movements in the arms and legs to the extent that we can. So in your department, how soon do you get involved with patients who come into the hospital with an acute stroke? We do see some patients in consultation in the acute care hospitals. The majority of them, we really focus our efforts once they're ready for more intensive rehabilitation, somewhere in the range of three to 10 days after stroke, typically. Now, does the speed at which you initiate your therapy in terms of time with respect to the acute stroke make a difference? It's a very important question, and surprisingly, the answer is not really known. Mostly theoretical concern that providing excessively aggressive exercise therapy in the very early phase after a stroke within the first day or two could actually worsen the stroke. That's based on some limited animal data. I think in the real world of of treating people, generally speaking, that's not a a real concern. But it would be great to know if uh, waiting a day or two longer or getting rehab started a day or two sooner affects outcome, and that's not really known. I do think that the general principle of not allowing deconditioning to set in, the various complications of immobility and contractures and the like, I think all speak to trying to move someone to rehab as quickly as is reasonably possible. When we talk about rehabilitation, what actually happens in the brain? Well, there's really two processes that go on in rehabilitation. One is, and this is really the traditional aspect of rehabilitation, is focusing on teaching compensation. We teach individuals who have lost the use of one hand how to dress or feed themselves with the other hand. And that's really where rehab was for many years and 
still remains a very important part of it. The newer part of rehab and the part that's really generating a lot of excitement is the issue of recovery. It's become very clear through both animal and human studies that the brain retains plasticity throughout adult life and that experience and activity influence that plasticity. So by providing the right environment, the right exercises, we can actually help the brain recover function. Are you talking about neural pathways that have not been used or neural pathways that have been damaged and then recover? The exact mechanisms are still being elucidated. I think that there is some thought that there are existing pathways that are enhanced or uncovered through this process and that there are also new synapses and connections being formed. The activity patterns of the brain can clearly be shown to change using fMRI and other imaging techniques associated with exercise and with recovery. So it's very clear looking at the brain that it is changing the way it functions. Now, clearly strokes are decidedly unusual in children, but a child's brain, that certainly is the most plastic of all the time periods in a person's life. And children certainly have a greater capacity for recovery than adults. And if you take the patient who is 80, 90 years old, do they still have the ability to recover? They do. It, it is, you know, attenuated with aging. It's not the same at age 80 as it was at 25, but it never seems to disappear, and that's very encouraging news. The other fascinating finding is that there doesn't seem to be a time limit on this recovery after stroke. One might imagine that after a year or two years after a stroke, that whatever recovery and, and change in function that's possible will have occurred already. But there's... a substantial body of, of studies now showing that you can take people who are several years out after stroke, who have clearly reached a, what appears to be a plateau, and give them intensive exercise and see meaningful changes in their ability to use the arm or leg. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Dr. Joel Stein, associate professor in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, Harvard Medical School, and the chief medical officer at the Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. We are discussing stroke recovery. Where are we now and where will we be in 10 years? Dr. Stein, how does a patient's motivation and desire to get better influence their getting better? Well, it's, it's quite clear that effort and uh, activity matter in recovery, and individuals that are able to really invest in their recovery and put more time and effort into it clearly improve more than those who are passive and, and not motivated to improve. I think that post-stroke depression is also very common and needs to be recognized and treated because oftentimes what appears to be a lack of motivation is, in fact, a treatable depression. And that's a very important thing for primary care physicians especially to be aware of once these patients are back in the community and may not be getting uh, treatment by a rehabilitation professional to be on the lookout for post-stroke depression. It's hard to think that anyone who has been very active and suffers a stroke and then cannot walk or move their arms would not develop a depression. Well, I think that's a common sort of perspective, and I think that certainly some degree of sadness, mourning the loss of function is pretty much universal. On the other hand, a depression really takes on a life of its own that goes beyond that appropriate sadness and, and really limits someone's ability to take advantage of the function that they do have and the quality of life that has been preserved. I wouldn't say that depression is a 
natural thing after stroke. It's very common, but I do think that it is something that should be recognized and, and treated. And in that same vein, do you have psychiatrists to work with you in treatment of these patients? We do, and I think that the good news is that post-stroke depression actually responds well to the same medications typically that are used for other depressions in the community. The SSRIs and the like are generally effective, and um, it's very gratifying to see someone whose quality of life is impacted as much by their depression as by their stroke regain that that quality with uh, treatment. And what about the recovery in patients who have receptive or expressive aphasias? Well, it depends on the severity of the aphasia. I think that there's clearly benefit to speech therapy that's been demonstrated in, in clinical trials. The natural history is for some recovery. As with so many areas in stroke recovery, the amount of recovery is often less than we'd like. One of the exciting areas in all of stroke recovery is trying to find ways to stimulate that process. We've, we've discussed the use of exercise a little bit, but there are other technologies and treatments that are being explored as a means of enhancing the recovery process. Now, I recently saw on 60 Minutes a report of a patient who could not speak but yet could sing language. Is that something that is commonly done? Singing is largely a right hemisphere function, whereas spoken language typically is a left hemisphere function. And actually, many stroke survivors who are aphasic because of left hemisphere injury can sing. Uh, It's not rare to see a neurologist or physiatrist standing at the bedside singing happy birthday with a stroke survivor, (laughs) even though it's no one's birthday. That's actually not as uncommon as it may seem. There is a technique in speech therapy known as melodic intonation, which tries to take advantage of this preserved ability to sing to, to use that melodic quality and to use it in speech. It is a variable efficacy, but it is certainly something that's commonly tried. Just so I understand, so speaking and singing are in different anatomical parts of the brain? Yes. Very interesting. So where are we going to be 10 years from now, Dr. Stein, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, in terms of rehabilitation for stroke patients? Well, I think that there are techniques that are going to be developed to stimulate recovery of the brain. Some of those include electrical stimulation, and there are some clinical trials ongoing now looking at the use of electrical stimulation to enhance recovery. There's also a lot of interest in the use of transcranial magnetic stimulation to stimulate the brain and to facilitate recovery. And in the future, I think that uh, the use of growth factors and stem cells to enhance neuroplasticity are also likely. Part of the challenge, I think, will be to develop the right exercise and rehabilitation programs to complement these biological therapies because the idea that you would sprinkle stem cells over the area of the stroke and cause someone to regain their lost function is is really rather simplistic. I think it's most likely that there'll be a process of retraining of the brain that will need to accompany whatever restorative therapies are developed. Are we making significant progress if you look at decade from decade? Is there a significant difference? I think so. I think that because of the burden of disability that stroke causes, I think there are there are some who are maybe a little more distant from the field that might be a little bit nihilist. But I think actually, if you get a little closer to it, you recognize that there's been very important proofs of principle and, and new techniques that are being applied. We haven't yet gotten to the place of curing stroke or of reversing the deficits, but we're clearly much better situated to accomplish that goal over the next five or 10 years than we were five or 10 years ago. 
And finally, since stroke is reasonably common, are the patients in the United States getting the rehabilitation that they should be getting, or is this something that really needs improvement? There's a lot of variability in the quality and the intensity of rehabilitation services that are provided in different communities. I think that some individuals are receiving fairly aggressive inpatient rehabilitation in other areas where those facilities aren't available or where the referral patterns aren't well established. Some of these individuals are being sent to skilled nursing facilities instead. I want to thank Dr. Joel Stein, who has been our guest. We have been discussing stroke recovery. Where are we now and where will we be in the future? I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.